welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. I wanted to take a few minutes before I bring up my wife, and I've been, I just want to say how grateful, gracious I am to her to agree to do this, because <laughs> this, uh, this is something that God has been putting on our hearts to do together as of late, and uh, she has been stepping out, and let me tell you, it's a huge sacrifice of faith for her to step out in and something that she's not comfortable with doing. So I, when I bring her up, I just want y'all to be gracious to her, honor her, and, uh, and don't throw anything at her. Because she's going to upset you probably. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, I just wanted to uh, be, tell everybody that your pastor made fun of my shoes. And I don't, I don't really. He said that they're Reba McIntyre's shoes. Her new shoes. <laughs> Reba McIntyre's new shoes. But uh, but I think they're awesome because they're from Arizona. What? I did. I did. I started. Well, and the thing is, is that that you also you should have shown the meme that you put. He sent me a meme because I was just making saying that I don't. I'm not jumping Johnny anymore, and uh, so he sent me a, a meme of some rock star like jumping off a, a a stage, you know, holding a guitar, and he he put my face on that dude. <laughs> and he said, you still got it. I'm like, no, I don't. So <laughs> we're going to have a good time tonight. And I want to make sure before I get started, I just wanted to let y'all know that this is, this is something that's on our heart. And I also, and we're going to have fun with it. Okay. But, um, I also want to say to you, I want, I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. I want you to know who's standing before you tonight. Not many of you know my, our whole testimony, and I'm not going to get into our whole testimony, but I'm going to just briefly let you know, we both come from broken marriages, broken lives. We were both divorced. God restored us, and, and it was an amazing, difficult, wonderful journey. The person that I'm that, that standing before you tonight, the people that will be standing, we didn't earn our way here. We don't stand here before you because we got it figured out. Matter of fact, I wanted to do it on what not to do. Here's 10 tips on what not to do. I can tell you for sure what not to do. But I felt what we feel is that we in this process, and, and I want to say it this word, in this journey to healing, um, God has been so good to us and gracious to us. And this has been a... Um, 17, well, about 17 year journey for us. Um, when I, I just, I just kind of let you kind of know this part of my story. Um, pastor knew me back when I used to travel with Koi. Um, I had, I, I had a lot of bondage of religion. I was very, very uh, um, legalistic in my thinking. 
I didn't even know it. I don't really honestly know where that came from. I just know that I was always trying to get God to love me. I was always trying to earn it somehow. And, and I thought by doing right and being right and getting my life right all the time and, uh, and staying right and righteous, if you will. My, I didn't understand that my righteousness was in Christ. I thought it was in me. And, and, and I, I don't think what's really strange is my parents, my mom even said, where'd you get that from? We never taught you that. I didn't go to a, that kind of a church. I don't even know. But I think in my journey as a young man, I saw that, that I had to perform to get, my, uh, to get my teachers to like me. I had to perform uh, to get people around me. I, don't, I, I really don't, can't explain. I, in my school, I went to a Christian school, and we had a system where you got tallies if you got it, uh, if you did wrong, and and if you get three tallies in a week, you got SWATs at the end of the week. I was getting SWATs on Tuesday. Can I get an amen? I mean, I was like breaking records. And and uh, recently they tore down that place, and they had still had the wall. And I swear, I brought Gail into there, and you could almost see where my handprints were. Like I like I put an imprint on that wall. Um, and it, and you know, so I just had a mindset of performance and I'm always, and so I thought if, if that's the way that I have to live this life in this world, then I, that it's an easy jump to believe that's how I have to live with him. Come on. And at some point what happened is I had a box around my life of being good, do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. And what happened is I stepped out of that box. What I realized is over time, my box got tighter and tighter and tighter because that's what religion does. And I became in bondage to my own box. And then at some point, I stepped out of my box by what I thought was the worst kind of sin. You know what I mean? I just, that I literally thought that God would kill me. I used to picture my relationship with God that God was ready to pounce and to stomp me out and that Jesus was the only thing keeping him back because I didn't see him as father. I saw him as wrath and I was scared of him. And I, I can remember specifically in my life that I all, everything I ever did, I got caught doing. <laughs> you know, I was riding one time I was going to Yellowfront, and I was going to go buy some Wranglers because Wranglers you could buy for $15 at the Yellowfront. And, uh, and they weren't because they were cowboy jeans. They were just cheap, you know. And I'm riding my bicycle on this sidewalk, and it said no bikes or skateboards on the sidewalk. And I had learned to, uh, I was young and I thought I was pretty cool and I learned to say a cuss word. And so I said that cuss word at, at about, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do whatever I want. And about that time, a lady walked out. <laughs> and I realized the reason it says no bicycles or skateboards is because the door opens. <laughs> right? And it hit me in my jaw and knocked me clean off my bike. And as I hit the ground, and my thing was, I'm sorry, God. I saw that God knocked me off that bike. And, you know, it was almost a comfort for me 
that I believed that, that God was not going to let me do nothing wrong. I didn't realize that there's so much more life, Zoe life in Christ. So by the time I stepped out of that box, my life spiraled. And I thought, well, if he didn't kill me for that, then we're going to go crazy. And, and I did. And I just, I don't want to get into all, to give glory to that, but I ended up as a bouncer at a bar in Toledo, Ohio. And I was the meanest, maddest, angriest person. And anybody knows me knows that's completely not me. But I had just become so mean. And I just liked to fight. And I, and I wanted, I took it out on stupid people every night. That's the way I looked at it, you know. And, uh, and then one night, um, I, I had gone through my divorce and there were girls in the bar that was trying to, you know, date me. And I didn't, I knew enough to know that my, my world was a mess and you didn't want to get tangled up with me. And, uh, but then one night Gail walked in and she walked in with her little flip flops and she's wearing jeans. And I thought that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my whole life. And I thought that she was checking me out. You know how guys are, you know what I mean? <laughs> So I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, walk, I walked over to the other bounce. I'm like, is that chick checking me out like that? And he's like, dude, she won't stop looking at you. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so ignorant. So I, went, I walked over and they were doing karaoke that night. And I had a karaoke book just like this. And I slid it over. I said, you girls, that she was with three other friends. I said, you girls want to do some karaoke? I did my, my, my low voice. <laughs> You girls want to do some karaoke tonight? <laughs> so dumb. And, and she said, she like just jumped right in the middle, rebuked me. She goes, no, but I know you. And when she said that, I turned white because my biggest only fear was that anybody would ever recognize me and ever call me accountable to my life and that my life had fallen so far. I was in a town that I used to do the one of the largest churches at, in America. I used to go there. He used to, Bishop Pitts used to fly me in three times a year to do outreaches and my biggest fear was to ever be known and seen. And here she said, I know you. And when she said that, I literally turned white. And I ran off and I said, I told her, I said, you don't know me. I'm from Texas. <laughs> and I turned and walked off. And this little Indian girl came pounding right after. And she said, she literally, she goes, don't walk away from me. That's so rude. I'm like, who is this? So like this big, you know. And she was as mighty, man. And, she, and long story short is, she realized that she had known me from church and back in the day and that her life was a mess and my life was a mess, but she had come to a place in her life. She had gone through divorce and she had come through a place in her life where she's like, I'm done with this. And she went out one more night with her friends and, and I'm, I'm kind of condensing this story, but bottom line, she said, I'm not doing this no more. If you want to be, I was trying to get her number, you know what I mean? No? Okay. So she said, I don't date. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to do this. But if you want to be with me, I'm going to church. So church I went. <laughs> and, uh, 
and I, the very first time I went to church, I'm not going, I won't tell this story, but um, I sat behind a, I asked her, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but I asked her, I said, what church? And she said, Cornerstone, Bishop Pitts. I'm like, any church, but that church, let's go to the Baptist church. I don't care. Let's just go any church except that one. And she said, no, that's the only one. And if you want to be with me, that's where I'm going. So I go and I'm hiding. They had big pillars. There's about 5,000 people and I'm hiding behind the pillar, worshiping. But really what I was doing is the whole time I was praying, God, do you still love me? Isn't it so sad that you could come to a place in your life where you really don't know, that you fall so far that you don't really know if God loves you? And I... Uh, do, am I allowed to be here? I remember asking that. I really, truly thought the wall was going to fall in. People say that, but I really believed it. And all of a sudden, Bishop is walking back and forth, and he's, he's, he, was, he tells the story that he was in his mind thinking, how can I let him know he's loved? And he's preaching about something. All of a sudden, he just stops, and he's like, uh, and he starts talking about cows. He goes, well, I don't know anything about cows, but Johnny Rowlett's here. He'd know. <laughs> And the whole church goes, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I literally like laid into Gail and just wept and wept and wept. And then he, he called me, he sent his assistant over to say, can Bishop would like to meet with you for, for breakfast. And I, I thought, well, here comes the spur. Here comes the, you stupid, you know, like, what did you do with your life? You know, and, and instead I met with him for breakfast. I was kind of bowed up, ready for a fight. And I walked in he's a little fella about this big and I walked in and he just put his arms around me and he it scared me so much I just pushed him off I mean man get off me and he said Johnny it's time to come home and he said I'm not going to make you do it and I'm not going to keep you from it but if you want to I'll put you through a program called restoring the foundations and it's for ministers that have fallen and we spent seven years sitting under a word and letting God restore me. And what happened in those seven years wasn't just re religion went out the window. And all of a sudden, I found and discovered Jesus. I found a relationship, a fellowship with the Father. And I stopped seeing them like that. And I started seeing them as one that loved me. And uh, so long story is that God has restored both of us. We sat under a word for seven years, and then Bishop brought me in one day and just said, it's time for you to get back on the horse. It's time for you to go back out. And, I, and then my wife, and I'm trying to be quick about this. I know you're looking at your watch, but we're going to be fine. Okay. The, the, uh, she started believing that you need to get back into ministry and I'm like, okay, I'll do it on the weekends. I have a good job. And I don't know about y'all, but ministry is not easy, you know. And I just thought, I just, I got a good job. I got a 501c3. <laughs> no, 501c3. 401k. My mind has been changed, brother. <laughs> I don't even know the right numbers and letters anymore. My mind has been totally renewed. I had a 401k. I had life insurance. I had health insurance. I'm not going into ministry. I'll just do it on the weekends. And Gail just believed and believed and believed that this is what we were called to do. 
So we went to a conference down in Atlanta, and, I, and she said, I'm not leaving there till I get a word. And I'm like, you can get all the word you want, you know. And we go and we hear, and this, there's a, what was her name? She's out of Dallas, huh? Cheryl Brady. Cheryl Brady. Cheryl Brady spoke a word and over us and over me, and she said this, and I don't think it's that nice. She just said, uh, your bald spot ain't getting no smaller. The, the message was called Bold Moves. And she said, you need to get back on your horse. You need to get back out there. And Gail's like, that's our word. That's our word. That's our. And we fought literally all the way home. Because I'm like, you can say what you want to say. I'm not quitting my job. And through a series of miracles, true, true miracles, I finally obeyed my wife. And we did this. And that, how long ago was that? Nine years? Eight or nine years ago? Oh, she said at least 10. So it's miraculous that we stand here before you tonight. Not, that, not people that know it all, but people that God has been gracious to. And I, I want to start off by saying, you want to come up now? Can I introduce my bride, my best friend, Gail Rowlett? She's awesome. I think the first thing that I want to say is this is going to be hard a little bit. It's the stuff that we've gone through and learned. It's difficult to almost hear because this isn't, the, this isn't going to be the normal rah-rah message. This is going to be some hard truths. And I just want y'all to receive it and to hear it and to understand that even if you're not married or not going through anything, this could be applied in other areas of your life. I think the very first thing that I wanted to kind of just start at is that the thing that I had to learn once I got married to Gil, because Gil is strong, like, like the kind of like, it's like the worst bull you ever rode, you know, like, I mean, just the toughest, but this thing ain't for the weak of heart. I've had guys try to hit on her, and I'm like, you don't even know. You have no idea. This is, you ain't, you ain't man enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, sorry. And uh, <laughs> this is the hard truth. This is the hard truth. Life is not about you. That's hard. I think that's where Christians miss it the most, is that we're... In most, in most chances, most opportunities, in most ways in life, we're no different than the world. We're still, we're still thinking this is all about me, about my feelings, about my hurts, about what happened to me when I was a kid, what happened to me from my husband, what happened to me from my wife. And, and the hardest thing to really come to is that if you have a broken heart, Jesus gave you a new one. And at some point, you have to somehow grow up. And I, don't, I know that's hard, but we have to stop looking at what's wrong with us. Stop looking at our deficiencies. Stop looking at our mistakes and our failures and the things that people did to us and the hurts and the, the way that people wrote on our, on our boards in our life. And we have to come to the place where we stop being selfish and stop living for ourselves. 
But I want to say this, this goes a little bit further. This is the, this is the weirdest thing you're probably ever going to hear anybody say. When I first met Gail, I decided I'm going to live for Gail. And I have realized that caused us a lot of grief living for Gail. And I realized along the way, and you need to write this down if you can, God has not called me to live for Gail. That's just, I know it's weird to hear it. My life is, and my joy and my peace is not in Gail. Because what happens is Gail, as good as she is, will fail me. And I will fail her. She's not incorruptible. My life is in Christ. What I need to do for Gail is die. It's literally dying. It's dying to her, for her, dying to self, dying to self and having him live through me and out of the abundance of my, abundance of my relationship, then, then I become the husband that he called me to be. I, Gail is not, uh, I'm going to just be kind of real about it and then we can go where you want to go, but Gail is not like one of those affectionate, you know, she's not going to, the other day I hit my head. We were vacuuming our Jeep, and I walked around, and she sucked up the dog collar, the dog leash that goes 15 feet, and she's telling me, pull it out, pull it. was the best vacuum cleaner I've ever seen in my I'm trying to pull it out. And she's like, she goes, see if there's an emergency shut off around the back, and I'm walking around, and it has one of those low canisters, and I'm walking around, and it's like, bam! And I hit my head so hard, I knocked myself out, laid on the ground. I'm like, bam, and, and I come to, and she ain't come over and help me. You, you know, to. You huh? didn't really pass out. I felt like I did. Oh. I felt you like. fell on the ground. I fell on the ground. That's out. <laughs> and the spirit, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I busted my, and I'm bleeding. I bled through my hat, and Gail's over there. And finally, she, from a distance, she says, you all right? <laughs> I'm like, thank goodness I don't live for her. You know what I'm saying? That's a hard thing. But I realized, you know what? Get up, shake it off. Let's go. We got things to do, you know. And, and uh, here's the deal. I just, if, if my life revolved, uh, it does revolve around her, but if my, my hope my joy, my peace, my existence, my dreams, my, my future, my, all, my life is not in her. It's in Christ. And then in Christ, I'm able to die so that I can serve her. Man, that's, that's a good night. Thanks y'all for coming. So that's good stuff. And this wasn't our marriage when we first got together. Let me tell you, yeah, please. when we first got together, it was... Not, not. <laughs> Did you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, it's just very tumultuous. Well, it took me a lot of years to to stop being angry. I think that was the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, marriage isn't. This is something that Gail wrote down. I think is just beautiful. Marriage isn't meant to be comfortable. Marriage is meant to be transformable. I I want to. This somebody just needs to hear that this morning. 
Um, I mean, this evening, uh, when I say that I'm not, I, my job is to not live for Gail, it also means that, um, how do I say this the best, that I stop being selfish. That I somehow, I turned our marriage into being self-centering. It's all about me. It's about what I get. The whole, even even the fivefold. What not the fivefold? What are those? The the you know, learning each other's love language and all that. I, I'm sure that's some good stuff. But I got to start at ground zero. I I'm not trying to get her to love me. And if I was, then guess what? Then I can manipulate her. I can try to control her. I can try to do things that she'll react and give me what I need. And, and that's what ends up happening when I, we're all trying to love, figure out each other's love languages. Here's my love language. Him. He's my everything. And out of this relationship, then this can work. Come on. Is that still me? You, you can tell me. We, we're, this is family. So, um, yeah, you, you want me to talk about this? God loves a person you are married to, and he will reveal their need to you so you can be a tool of their rescuing and transforming grace. Just let, let that sink in. If your eyes ever see and your ears ever hear the weakness and the failures of your spouse... It is never an accident or interpretation. What? Interruption. It is, listen, we're reading off notes and I hate it. This is not me. It's always grace. Always. I just want you to think about this. The person God puts in your life. If God loves you, loves, if God loves her enough to put me into her life, whereby I can see her faults and her failures, her shortcomings, I have to see that as grace. If I use those faults and shortcomings and failures against her, then that's not grace. And that doesn't, because this kind of grace, when I can see them, and she can see mine, and she gives grace and loves me through it. And, and I want to, you, you can say the next part, but it becomes transformative. That kind of grace transforms one another. Does that make sense? But that doesn't give... That doesn't give you the right to just act however you want to act and think grace covers all. Mm. That's what you wrote right there. Yes. Doesn't yeah. give you permission to for, act. And for God so loved the world. When you love, see, God gave. For God so loved that he gave. That when you love someone, you give your life. For this person. And I was, even when we're talking about that, I'm like, that's confusing because I just said that my, my life is not to live for you. It's to live for him. But when you say that, that for God, this is that I lay my life down for her. Because what I'm saying is I, I lay down my emotions. I lay down my needs. I lay down my, even some of my, I, I lay down everything that's selfish. I think that people, marriage, what they do is they think it's 50-50. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100 and it's 0-0. Zero, zero. When I come to the end of me, when I come to the end of my ability to be a good husband, I'm not a good husband in me. 
in my flesh, in my own abilities. It's just like my own abilities to not sin or my own abilities to, to stop doing that. Or do, I don't have it. I, it's his righteousness that makes me clean. It's his grace and his mercy. And I'm the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, the same goes for how I d d handle my marriage. It's not about what I need. What am I getting out of this marriage? Because that's going to fail you. Because it'll never be enough. It will just not be enough. The next part we want to talk about is strongholds. And we feel like just in the experience that we've had in our previous marriage and our marriage now is that the fall of many things in life, really, but in marriages as one, is strongholds. Yes. Wrong thinking. Yes. And exactly what is a stronghold? A barrier erected against the truth of God in 2 Corinthians 10.4. And in five, it says, take hold every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Why does it say that? So, Because so many times we get something your spouse does to you, and you know the enemy plants that seed. Mm -hmm. well, did you hear what he said? Yes. Did you see how she acted? Did you? And then all day long, you fester and you fester and you fester. And before you know it, now it's a whole issue. That's good. A whole issue and then a month long goes by and now this thing's blown way out of proportion when it started in a little seed form mm. yeah that's good and I just I, I feel like that is the uh, it's in the, as far as that definition did you did you do the definition of a stronghold no and, and what go ahead and give them that so they can write that down I don't have it. oh I thought you already wrote it down okay um, really Let's give you the spiritual. It's what she already said, but it's it's anything, anything that's erected that you put up against the knowledge of God, against the truth of God. A stronghold is literally anything that you decide is a barrier that's more important than God's word, God's truth. That becomes a stronghold. And what we have learned is that a stronghold is in your mind. It's in your mind. And so how it starts is, like I said, the, an the animal. The enemy yeah. tells a lie. He's an animal. Too. <laughs> and then we believe that lie. Come on, wait. And slow it down. Let's, let's give them. Let's write this down. This is something. I think this is beautiful that you wrote down here and got, that she got. God gave her this. So the enemy tells a lie. Wait, let him write now. <laughs> I think it's funny too. The enemy tells a lie. Y'all get that? Okay. And we believe the lie, which is deception. Number two, we believe the lie. Deception becomes a thought process that all of our thoughts are processed through. So, so it like becomes say, our filter. Yeah, becomes so deception becomes a filter. So the enemy lies to you, you believe the lie, that turns into deception, then you then that deception becomes the filter that you get everything through. And then all of that leads to feelings. So your deception that goes through you, you you're, you're seeing everything through the filter of deception, and that will lead you to your feelings. 
and your feelings lead to actions, your actions become habits, and your habits become cycles. And that's where the root begins. Yeah. Which in order to pull down a stronghold, you need to pull that up by its roots. That's powerful. I was thinking about that one right there that says that uh, leads to feelings. They say uh, in science, they say that, that understanding how to hold every thought captive. Have you ever really, sometimes we were talking about this yesterday, that sometimes you get these, these things that you know, that you've known since you're children, even scripture, and you read it kind of so fast and you go over it so fast that you don't stop to think about, whoa, what is that really saying right there? And holding every thought captive. You know, I think about when Jesus is, uh, they bring the woman that has been caught in adultery. And he knows that it's a trap. It's a trap for him, right? And he has this response. And if it were me, I, I would just be so mad that they interrupted my meeting. He was having a little preaching meeting and they interrupted it, you know. And, and what I think is so interesting is that they, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. And the law says she's to be killed. And that's the truth. That's what the law said. And it's a good trap. Because if, you know, you, you can see this. is This trap is that if he was to say, you're right, kill her, then he's going against, I've come to give you life. But if he was to say, ah, forget about it, go on, go your way, then he's going against his word that, that I've come to fulfill the law. So what does he do? He kneels down and he doodles in the dirt. I think this is a priceless moment for us to see what it means to hold every thought captive. Can we just take a minute? <laughs> Can we take a minute not to react? See, my, my way of my, I, I, one of the things that I have dealt with my whole life is anger. And I get angry quick, fast, and in a hurry. I blow up and then I'm sorry. And by then, I've already just tore up five rooms. Do you know what I mean? And, and the other day, I was, I, I, was a little while ago, and we, we have a brand-new, beautiful granddaughter. And I had gotten mad about something. Don't remember what it was exactly. And I started thinking, I'm like, Lord, I, I've learned to control my behavior. I've learned to pull in the reins. And I started praying. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to just correct my behavior. I want you to heal me. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to do good at fixing it. I want healing. And I need, I need you to teach me how to hold every thought captive and do a little bit of doodling. So what, the, what Jesus did is he knelt down in the dirt and just started doodling in the dirt. And then he's, what's he doing? Talking to the Father. He says, I don't say anything the Father doesn't have me say, and I don't do anything the Father doesn't have me do. So he's doodling, waiting for a word. And then he gets up, and he has the greatest word of all time that you wish you would have came up with. <laughs> for those of any, the first one that never, never, never sinned, throw the first stone. Woo, that's good. That's good. Why didn't I think of that? That comes from doodling. Yeah. 
That comes from holding every thought captive, right? And what, what this scientist said, he said that when you have a thought that's, come on, I, I'm, I'm going to get into this just a little bit. When you have a thought that, that you recognize is a lie from the enemy, my wife doesn't love me. You know that's not true. You know that's a lie from the enemy. And where does all, who's the father of all lies? Satan. Come on, this is just, I know this is basic, but it's so important that you got to recognize that voice. So what happens is we, the, Satan is not omnipresent. All he can do is get in here. That's all he can do. So he gets in your ear and he says something that if you would just take a second and hold every thought captive, you would recognize this is not a voice of love. This is not a voice from the Father. This is a lie. And then you can hold that thought captive and say, I reject that thought. I rebuke that thought. And I, I'm going to throw that out the window. I had a guy the other day say, I rolled down the window of my truck and said, get out. <laughs> Come on. That's, that's weird, but that's good. So let me, let me say it like this. This doctor said that you have about 30 seconds when you have a thought that goes into your mind, into your ear, you've got about 30 seconds before that thought turns into a feeling. They say that the human brain can turn your thought into an emotion. And that feeling, then we get back into the cycle. Feeling turns into what? Actions. Actions. And action turns into? Habits. Habits. And habits turn into cycles. That's good. Where this is coming from, and I just want you to share this a little bit, is powerful. Gail was the first one to ever teach me and help me to, and I'm going to close with something in, in just a minute. But before we do, I just wanted you, you came up with something uh, that we've coined called Change Your Channel. Uh, we both also dealt with some addiction. And, and can you elaborate on, on how you helped me and how you helped yourself to, to learn to, to, how to change your channel, where you got that from? Well, I think in the process of overcoming any sort of addiction, I realized that, like we just said, is that it starts with a stronghold, wrong thinking or whatnot. And so we need to get out of that wrong thinking, mm -hmm. which is changing your channel. So meaning thinking on different things, holding every thought into captivity, renewing your mind, yes. however you want to say it, but changing your channel helps so much in the whole process of overcoming wrong thinking right. in whatever way, shape, and form, because there's so many, and throughout life, there's so many different strongholds. Yeah. Wrong thinking. Because you were able to really quickly recognize that, that there's, there's, I can't, I, I've got to, literally, it's like physically turning the channel. I'm not, I'm not walking in that. I'm not believing that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and it's literally changing your channel. And, and it went to even degrees of, of when you wake changing up. Changing your routine. Changing routine, yeah. Remembering his promises over your problems. Yes, yeah, all those kinds of things. And I just think it's just a brilliant mindset that when you are facing those moments, change your channel. And some, I, we had one guy said, I don't have the remote anymore. <laughs> I said, well, get up and physically do it the old school. Brrr, you know what I'm saying? Change that channel because the more you fester in it, 
It becomes the lie, becomes a lie, begets a lie, begets a lie. And the next thing you know, that woman or that man is your enemy. And you have bought into it. I, I, I look at Bishop. Bishop did this one thing one time where he was, he was kind of showing us how the enemy works. You know, you're just walking down the street and, and here comes the enemy like, man, can you believe your wife said that about you? And you, you have a choice right then to go, you're stupid. Get out of here. That thought is stupid. That, 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 my, life, my wife loves me. You know, hold that thought captive. But the moment that you, as the enemy says that, that word, the moment that you go, you know what, you're right. Then you're putting your agreement on the lie. And the moment that you put your agreement on the lie, it becomes bondage. And then it starts, it's a downhill spiral. We've had some people that we have seen and heard about that have heard some of this message. And we, we, we started a podcast with all this and all that. And, and what people are saying is that, that they were fully divorced, have been for years. And they, they're hearing this message and realize they were both so being so selfish, so self-centered. Pointing out what the other person did wrong. It was all, let me tell you something. Yes, the other person is wrong. And so are you. It takes two to tango. Come on. And as soon as you get to the place where you can stop seeing what that person did wrong and see what you did wrong and then change your channel and receive grace and forgiveness for yourself, then you can then forgive the other person and y'all can mend. And these people are getting calling this one that we heard about, they, the lady called her husband and said, I just watched a message. And he said, I watched that same message. And they, they decided and started becoming friends again. And they built and restored and repaired. God repair, repaired their marriage. It's amazing. It has so much to do. It's all up here. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do this, kind of show you this. Yes, I, yeah, I'm, I would get her up here to draw a Gail picture. She drew this morning, she drew a picture of Gail with, uh, with a dress on. <laughs> I'm like, I've seen her dress twice. And it was when her, both of our kids got married, then she wore a dress for them. Um, only because you had to, because they made her, yeah. This is very important. What I'm about to share with you is so crucially important, and we just have a little bit of time left. If you've got your notes, I want you to get this. I think that what the last thing that she said is that thoughts become feelings, feelings become actions, become habits, become cycles. So one day I was, I'm like, Lord, I, I need a word. I need you to help me to explain how you got me off this cycle. Because I could be here for a week straight and still not tell you all that God has done in our lives. And I just want something that I could, that God helped me pack up, and I'm just handing it to you, and you can unpack it. And the Lord just said to me one day, he said, what's the difference, Johnny, between a bronc ride and a bull ride? I'm like, that's, that, that's cool. That's cool that he would ask me, you know, because I don't know. Um, no, um, 
I'm just kidding. It, it was, I just love how God answers and gives us pictures of stuff that we love and we understand. And so I, I'm, I'm going to try to do this. Gail told me not to do the bronc ride, but I, I think everybody can, you can see the picture better. If we all know what a bronc ride is, here's the deal. If you, if a bronc comes out of a chute, right, it's mostly if you come out of the chute correctly, with the bronc, if you spur him out correctly, if you got your seat correctly, it's actually you can get into the rhythm of the horse and you can actually ride. And it's really not that difficult. I wouldn't say you should go and try it. But I'm saying that if you know what you're doing and you come out of the chute correctly, it's actually pretty much of a flow. You're getting into the flow and the rhythm uh, of the animal. And what happens is this horse is coming out and most of the time, every once in a while you get a really rank uh, bronc and this, this bronc, we were in Philadelphia and I was telling the story and uh, the lady on the front row raised her hand and I said, yes ma'am. She goes, what's a bronc? <laughs> she said, is that what O.J. Simpson was caught? I'm like, no, no. That's, uh, where's that 80, you were born, you don't, do you know anything about O.J. Simpson? Okay, that's good. He was so young, he didn't even know music I was talking about today. So, here we go. So, a bronc is, most of the time, a bronc's going to come out and kind of be linear. Yeah. It's got a jump kick, jump kick, jump kick, jump kick. And the greatest thing that I loved about being, I rode bronx when I, you know, well, I shouldn't even really get into that. But the greatest thing, I don't put myself in that. Uh, the greatest thing about a bronc ride is when the eight seconds is over, right? Here you are on a, on a wild horse that you put yourself on. You volunteered for this stupid ride. You ever been on a ride that you put yourself on? Right? And about the time you want off, it's great because here comes a pickup man. And he'll come alongside of you and say, Get off! Yeah. Right? right? Come on. You guys are just staring at me. You know what a bro. And then you hear, you get to jump off that rock and jump on to the pickup man. And then you, you feed it to ground and you wave at the crowd, right? And it's all hunky dory. And here's what's really cool is. They pull the flank off that bronc, and the bronc will just run off and go do what a bronc does, eat and sleep, right? It's the greatest eight seconds of life. I mean, this has got, these horses have the greatest life. Don't believe all that other, those weird people. They have a great life. But here's the deal. A bull ride is nothing like that. There's nothing, <laughs> there's no getting in the rhythm. There's no rhythm. There's no jump, kick, jump, kick. There's no flow. A, a bull rider is, is it's, it's, it's craziness. It's all out war. It's all centrifugal force. It's pure, hard, trying to get back, staying off your pockets, right? Trying to press your chest, always trying to get back to the rope. It's, you gotta be, you gotta be crazy. There's a, got to be a little bit mental wrong with you. Like over there. You got to be something wrong for you. You getting on a 2,000 pound bull, there's something missing. There's something. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I really believe that that sport was never supposed. You go to a ranch rodeo, they don't do that. Because that's not God. If you think, you know, there had to be beer involved in that for the first time. Here, hold my beer. Watch this. 
You know it had to be because it makes no sense. You're going to put yourself on a 2,000 pound bull, right? All right, here we go. And the difference, a bronc just wants you off. But when a bull comes out of a chute, there's no linear. <laughs> this is, when a bull comes out of a chute, this is what a bull does. Uh-oh. Y'all getting it? And there ain't no pickup man. There's clowns. <laughs> you got it. Good job. Stupid clowns. <laughs> no, don't say that to Rob Smets. Rob Smets, I, you know. <laughs> They're lifesavers. Those are the good clowns. Stop it. Is it on camera? They're all really good. There ain't no pickup man. Here's the, here's the thing. Y'all... I hope you're, you, you're going to have to really be smart and catch where I'm going with this right now. This is the cycle. And that bull's going around and around and around and around and around in circles. And here's the thing. When you get off, let's say you get right here. That bull doesn't, most of the time, there's once in a while they're real sissy bulls, but most of the time, what are they doing? The first thing they do is like, <laughs> who was that? Who had the audacity to jump up upon me, right? And they're going to come and make you pay. This is not, I'm not just going to run off. I'm going to find that cat and punish him for having the audacity to even get on to me. That sound like somebody you know? Come on, man. You, you have to understand, you have an enemy. And the enemy wants to punish you. He hates you. Who had the audacity to believe? Who has the audacity to live for Christ? Man, come on. Here's the deal. I, uh, I had this, used to have this ministry called Ride Right Cowboy Fellowship. We used to teach kids how to ride bulls and broncs and rope and all that kind of stuff. And I worked with a guy named Rex Thing, and, and, uh, and, and we worked on... Uh, Cody, Cody, uh, not Cody Custer, Cody Lambert. Uh, we worked on a vest for protection. And when they first came out, that was really ugly. And none of the cowboys would want to wear them. But, but they, Cody Lambert was real big. And so we kept developing these vests. And, and you, still today, you see them, they got a cross on them. And a lot of the guys wear them. They're, they're, they're really amazing. And so as part of the marketing of that, they allowed me to start doing uh, ride right chapters all over the United States. And we started teaching, we're using, like we wanted to have like the T-ball of rodeo. So we're teaching kids how to ride bulls and broncs and how to do all that kind of stuff on equipment, right? So they don't die, right? So anyhow, I, what I would do is I would have these, these, these times where I would have world famous cowboys come in. Hopefully they were champions, you know, and they would come in and they would teach their sport. Sometimes broncs, sometimes bulls, some, and they would teach their sport, but then they would give their testimony. We would all gather together and they would give their testimonies. Just powerful, powerful ministry. And one time I had Cody Custer. Cody Custer's a very good friend of mine. And and I had him come in, and he's teaching all these cool stuff. And, you know, when the bull's coming out, grab on the fence so it pulls you out, you know, and all this stuff. I'll never forget some of his tips and tricks were really powerful and good. 
But then I'm listening to him, and I mean, he's saying the same stuff every other bull. We had Lyle Sankey there, and, you know, I mean, all these guys. And, and they're, so he's really much saying the same thing. And, and I started getting frustrated. I said, you know, Cody, I've had a lot of guys. And I said this in front of 300 kids. We had amazing turnouts. And I, I said to them, I said, you know, all these, I've had all these teachers come in here, and they, they're all really good about telling how to ride a bull. But you know what? None of the kids, no, none of the teachers have ever taught my kids how do you get off? Doesn't that seem like that'd be common sense? Doesn't that seem like somebody's got to teach you how to get off this stupid thing that I chose to get on? Right? Right, that I strap myself to. Suicide straps sometimes, right? So he says, you know, Johnny's, no one's ever asked me that. He said, so this is what I do. And he's teaching this. And when he's teaching it, man, the Spirit of God just came upon that situation and upon my mind. And it impacted and changed my life forever. And this is what he said. And I'm hoping you get it and relate it to your own life and your own marriage. Number one, you got to loose yourself. Loose yourself. Be loosed. Let me just say this to you. In the name of Jesus, be loosed. Be loosed. That's not God's will for you. That bull is not God's will for you. This cycle is not God's will for your life. It's not his will for your marriage. It's not his will for your job. It's not his will for your addictions. It's not his will for your anger. This is cycle is a lie from the enemy. God has a plan for you, and it isn't going around in circles finding yourself. See, what happens with addiction, what happens in marriage even, is that you find yourself, at, you, you get free for a while, and marriage is good, and you're going around, and everything seems to be just fine, all of a sudden, bam, you find yourself right back at that point and then you start doing real good and you go for about three months and then bam you find yourself how do we keep getting back to the same place and in six months now you did really good you tried really hard and you got six months and then boom here you are at the same spot a cycle cyclical and it's the enemy's plan for your life it's not God You're, you should be loosed in the name of Jesus be loosed but here's the deal. There's a difference of being loosed and being free. Because here's the deal. The problem with being loosed, he said, this is what Cody said to me. He said the mistake most of the guys make is when they're loosing themselves from this animal, they make the mistake of looking down. And when you look down, it's a sports nomature that wherever you put your eyes, come on, this will preach. Wherever you put your eyes, that's where you're going to end up. So if you're looking down at the dirt, come on, this is, you got to get the connection. Who are you? Dirt, right? Our, our dirt man, we're spirit man covered by dirt. So you never want your whole life to be focused only on your dirt, right? So if, if you look down, and you're, you're trying to be loose and you're looking down at the dirt. What's, what that's a signal of or significance of is that you're just looking at yourself, at your own abilities, at your own way that I'm going to fix this. I'm never going to do this again. The problem is most of the time if you're looking down in the dirt, you end up in what we call the well. And if you end up in the well, the problem is, believe it or not, that's a more dangerous place than even when you were riding 
You know the safest place to ride a bull is? On the bull. On the shoulders. You don't want to end up in the well. Because guess what? Here's the thing. That bull's coming back around. That, that lie's coming back around. That marital issue's coming back around. The, 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 all, all, that thing is coming back around. And now you're not on top of the bull. Now you're laying in the dirt like this. And here it comes. It's going to try to pound you, steal and kill and destroy you. Ever been there? This is, this is called the well. And Cody said this. He said, here's, here's, and let me just kind of back that up with what he said. Wherever you put your eyes, that's where you're going to go. Whatever, let me say it a different way. Wherever you put your focus, that's where your life ends up. If you're always putting your focus on what's wrong with your marriage, it's just going to stay being wrong. If you're always putting your focus on what's wrong with your wife, it's just always going to stay wrong. If you're always going to be focused on what's wrong with you, then it's always going to be wrong. Because you have no ability in your dirt, man, to fix you. The only thing that can fix you is the truth of the Word of God and Jesus in you, living through you, bringing you the Zoe life. So, he says this. I hope y'all are catching this. This is beautiful. He said, so I keep, what I do, Johnny, is I lift my head. I, I intentionally, instead of looking down, I lift my head and I find, I put my vision, come on, I put my vision on a place, a place that's so far away from the cycle that there is no, I know in my mind that there's no possible way I'm going to get there. There's no way naturally. I can't see a way out of it. I can't see a way that I could ever love her again. I can't see a way again that she could ever forgive me for what I've done. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It makes no sense how God is going to do this. Come on. But what I do is I put my focus on this place over here. And he said this. This is, this is Cody. Cody's a powerful man of God now, but back then he was just kind of starting into the ministry. And he said this, he said, Johnny, it's, it's almost supernatural how every time I pick my head up and stop focusing on me, stop focusing on the dirt, stop focusing on what's wrong with me. And I put my, what I did is I, when I put my focus on this place over here, it's almost supernatural that almost every single time, I don't, I can't explain it how I would get there, but it seemed like it always would land free of the cycle. Free of the cycle. So let me say it like this to you. <clears throat> this, is, this is where Gail and I have really found what this place is. What, where is this place? How many of y'all can just say sitting here tonight, I, that's where I want to live. That's the Zoe life. Come on, are y'all getting the connection? That's where I want to get to. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with that. I want to get here. And what Gail and I have found is that this place is the presence 
of the Father. It's his presence. It seems almost too easy, doesn't it? I'm going to tell you about Gail. Pastor said this, this afternoon while we're eating. He said, sometimes with the older I get in ministry, the more I understand how simple it really all is. We so, religion complicates it. Jesus is, God, it's so easy, simple. My burden is light. Come on. Presence. So, I'll give you an example. This is my bride. This is what she does. When she starts getting those thoughts, and she decides to hold those thoughts captive, what I've noticed what she does is she turns to worship. There's so many times, I cannot tell you how many times I hear my wife when I wake up in the morning. We live in a 48-foot bus, full-time. That's where we live. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in bed in the back room, and I hear her worshiping. And I'll look up, and she's at the front of the coach, arms up, back to me, and she's just worshiping the Father. And I realized it's not that she loves to sing. She's doing warfare. The worship is the, her warfare. And she is, she is breaking the bondage and breaking the cycles and not allowing those thoughts to turn to feelings. And those feelings to turn to depression. Come on. Feelings to turn into selfness. All about me. She's up there just breaking that cycle and saying, I'm not going back to that. And she stands up there in worship. And I can tell even in her urgency of her worship that something powerful is to the degree that, you know, you, if I walked up and grabbed her hand and like, let's just worship together, you know, she'd be like, come on, you know, like, because she's in a different place, right? Here's another thing. I have found that that word, I, we used to say, read your word, and, we, and I believe that, read your word. I don't know about y'all, if there's any men here, but I struggled my whole life with reading, and really reading comprehension. And so I struggled reading the word, because I just couldn't get it. I would memorize it and still not get it. And what, the, what started happening to me is that I stopped doing it because I had to out of religious duty, and I started to read the word as worship. I got into my word and I got into it so I could find my father. And I could even find myself in my relationship with Jesus. And it would speak to me. And it would, it would, I, I just, God would honor that. Sometimes I didn't want to. And he would honor the obedience. And I just said, I'm getting into your word today because I need you. I need you to help me change my channel. Come on. Amen. Come on. Going to church, going to church is a way to break the cycle. Get, Gail says it like this. Get around fun, happy people. Get around people that don't have necessarily, if you come into church and all you're doing is just spewing, oh, I'm going I'm to say this, this is going to offend somebody, probably. But if you come around and say, oh, sister, would you pray for me? My marriage is just... On the struggle bus, you know. Listen, we, we, we'll pray for you. I don't have a problem with that pray. And there's some about of compassion and empathy that I can have for you that you're going through. But can I just tell you the truth? 
can I just tell you that, that, that this is a lie from the enemy? And the more I empathize with you, the more I just coddle you and cuddle you, the less I'm telling you the truth. And the truth is you got to get out of yourself. you got to stop looking at it from that vantage point. You're just, you're just doing this. You're just, even when you come to church, sometimes what we do is like, oh, I just, it's poor me, poor me, poor me. Listen, I love you. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I get to leave. So he has to deal with this. But, but we, we, I know your pastor. And the thing is, what we want more than anything, yeah, we'll pray for you. But what we want is you to break the cycle. Amen. And the way that you break the cycle is pull it up from the root. And pulling it up from the root is changing your channel. Pulling up from the root is replacing. I literally look at it like this. I have files in my mind. And those files are all of my mistakes and trials and tribulations, problems, lies. I have all these files. And what I've learned over my life is I need to pull those files out and replace them with what he says about me. I need to replace them with his truths and his honestness and his love for me and I'm I'm getting down to like the last quarter I got just a little bit of more of those files I need to replace y'all should laugh that's funny okay here's here I mean we could go on and on and on but I need to land a plane Gil always says land a plane here's here's our heart God has you here at this place, at this time in your life. And God has so much of a plan for you. And this plan is violently trying to be destroyed by keeping you in a cycle. The word for this is distracted. If the enemy can keep you going around in circles, it's just like that horse I was talking about this morning. If the enemy can keep you going around in circles and showing your rear end, then you never step into the Zoe life. Because you just keep going around in cycles and you keep finding yourself right here at the same dirt well. Today's the day. Today is the day for breakthrough. I don't know what you're here for tonight. I know that some of you are dealing with marriage issues. Some of you have major marital issues. Some of you have light issues. Some of you are not even married. Some of you are, are dealing with other kinds of issues. And I'm just saying with my heart tonight, tonight's your night to break the cycle. Tonight's the night. We're done with this. We're going to get off the routine. We're going to stop allowing the enemy to lie to us and distract us and keep us in his cycle. We're breaking free of this, and we're going to get into his presence tonight. Can I have you come up and play some music? Just Let's just play in the background. I'm not sure that this is deep, deep revelation, but it's hard truth. And the hard truth is that most marriages fail because you were try you're trying to get the other person to do what you want them to do. Or 
even this, there's sometimes they fail because I've tried with all my might to get my wife to love me. That I'll just do anything I can do to get her to love me. It's just a cycle. There's other people here tonight and you, I, I just feel in my spirit, there's some people here that, that it's not even about marriage, but you see yourself on this cycle, this routine. You do well for a while, but then there, you look up and here comes that old bull again, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And you find yourself, how did I get here again? Here I am again. My heart tonight is that this, this is a place of freedom. This altar right here is a place where we're going to break free of this cycle. And we're going to step into his presence. And we're going to let the presence of God, the presence, his presence, lift the burdens. We're going to let his presence lift the addictions. We're going to let his presence lift the hurt. We're going to let his presence lift the, the, the things that we've done to ourselves, lift the cycles. We're going, to let the, we're going to let his presence break the chains that have just kept us going around. Let me ask you this. What if God had something for you so big up here? And you can't get off this. I'm 54 years old. And I spent three quarters of my life on this. And I didn't even know it because nobody ever told me the truth. And I spent the last, I mean, how many years walking into his presence and here's what happened in his presence I used to try to fix myself and get myself just just I, I can do better yeah if you're on a weight loss plan maybe that's a good physical thing you could do but this is so much deeper this is spiritual warfare you ain't going to fix it that way I used to lay on the front of our church lay prostate what is the word prostate lay on my face and cry my eyes out God take this from me take this from me and I would I mean I'd lay there for an hour I'd soak the floor with my tears and meant it with everything in my heart and then I'd get up and I'd do the same exact thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until one day I made a decision. I made a decision that I'm going to take my focus off of the dirt. I'm going to take the focus off of what's wrong with me and I'm going to start looking at what's right with him. And I'm going to take the focus off of the cycles in my life and how many mistakes I made and how many lives I hurt. And I, 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 could, I could just go off a list of a thousand things that I needed to change my channel. And I put it on to the, my father into his presence and I began to worship him in spirit and in truth and I began to focus my day every day on how good he is how 
gracious he is, how loving he is. And I, I turned my whole channel. Everything I became is about how good he is. I turned my all, and I literally saw it as turning my head, lifting my head off of my circumstances, off of what's wrong with me, off of my abilities, off of my dirt. And I lifted my head and I started worshiping him and I started telling him what's right with him. And when I started telling him what's right with him, he fixed what's wrong with me. I got so lost. This is the honest truth. I got so lost in what's right with him that one day I'm laying in bed after years of trying to break the cycles in my life and having no, no good time. Not, it wasn't happening. I was laying in bed one night and I, my whole body just started shaking and I was just weeping in the bed. And Gail leaned over and thought something was wrong. She's like, what's wrong with you? And I said, I'm free. I'm free, man. I'm free. I don't know. I, I'm, maybe that doesn't hold weight to you. I hadn't been my whole life in addiction and in the cycle. It was all about me. 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 Was my cycle. And all the lies and the deceit and all the untruths and all that stuff. And I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I'm free. I'm free. I'm not thinking anything I shouldn't be thinking. I'm not hiding anything I should be hiding. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. I am free. And only Jesus did it. When I stopped looking at what's wrong with me and started looking at what's right with him, he cleaned me up. Tonight, he wants to do the same thing for you. And I don't know every situation, every circumstance, but I believe with all my heart that he sent Gail and I here tonight to walk you out of the cycle. And if that has touched your heart tonight and the Holy Spirit is moving in you, I want you to stand up in your, in your seats and I want you to come forward and let Gail and I pray for you right now. Let's just come on forward. Let's just believe for it. We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.